Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. You know, there are many questions in life that uh, are tough to answer. Questions like, why do we uh, say an alarm clock is going off when it's really coming on? You know what I mean? Why do you drive on a parkway but park on a driveway? I mean, these are tough questions. Why do we say I slept like a baby when we know babies don't sleep all night? <laughs> and, you know, 7-Elevens, the doors are always unlocked, but they stay open all the time. They never close. So why do they have, the, uh, why do they have locks on their doors? You know, why is the time of day when the slowest traffic is called rush hour? Why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor and dishwashing liquids made with real lemons? Why does the sun lighten our hair but darken our skin? Now, here's one that I had to do a little changing around on to make it work. Uh, is why are, uh, if people from Poland are called Poles, why aren't people from Holland called Holes? You know what I mean? <laughs> but then there are some more serious questions in life that are hard to answer. You know, questions like, God, why is it that uh, the evil people seem to prosper, but the good people, all these bad things happen to them. Or why is it that I work hard at work and I'm honest, then that jerk over there that's always sucking up, why is he always getting promoted? Why is it that the person who gets into all sorts of bad stuff and does bad things all his life lived to be 102, but some awesome Christian dad dies at the age of 42 of cancer? Why is that? What's up with that? You know, God, why is it that we tried to raise our kids according to your word and we took them to church and, and we prayed in our home and we did all those things and, and our kids are all messed up? Why is that? And then you look at the kids and uh, at, at the, your neighbor's kids and they never went to church and they never, you know, read their Bible and they were, they were not involved at all and their kids turned out okay. What's up with this? How come I try to do what your word says and financially I try to do the right things uh, and I give and I tithe and I serve and I'm not being blessed and there's someone else out there and they've not given anything or do anything and they're being blessed. God, how come someone else prays? And it seems like uh, you do things for them immediately, but I pray and pray and pray and nothing happens, seems to happen at all. How come, God, I have these headaches and they won't go away or I'm suffering from depression why is it that someone I love is going through such a tough time in life? And God, why can't we get pregnant? My friend at work pops out babies like a soda machine, and we can't even have one. And God, it seems like you could do something, but why don't you? Why don't you seem fair? God, why does bad things happen to seemingly good people? Sooner or later, we're all confronted with things in life that just don't seem fair. You see, great men in the Bible, though, including Jesus, asked the same questions. They asked the same why questions. Jesus hanging on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? The psalmist David, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? And Solomon, he said, I looked again at all the injustice that 
goes on in this world. And then Habakkuk, talking to God, said, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. You know, folks, the reality is, is life is unfair and bad things are going to happen to good people. Life is unfair and bad things are going to happen to good people. At least once in your life, if it's never happened, you're going to come to that point where you have a train crash in your faith and something difficult, you're going to deal with something difficult and painful and it'll happen to you and you will ask God, why is this happening to me? You know, for most people, I don't think it's the answer that we're, I don't think we're particularly looking for an answer that will take away the pain or lessen our pain as much as we're looking for an explanation as to why the pain was allowed to happen in my life in the first place. Why did this happen in my life? After all, you know, we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're Christians and, and, and we put our faith in the reality of a loving, personal God who loves me and cares for me and he cares for his children. I mean, I hear it all the time, how God loves me. And, and, and the question of why bad things happen to good people seems to demand an explanation. But since bad things do happen to good people, it makes me think. I think sometimes well, if bad things happen to good people, then God isn't good. Like I've thought all my life. I haven't thought all my life, all my Christian life. Or that he isn't fair. I mean, maybe he's not fair. Or he isn't all powerful like he says he is. Ely Wessel put it this way when he said, if that's who God is, why doesn't he resign and let someone more compliment, or competent take his place? So is there an answer to the pain you feel today? Is there an answer to those pain, the pain that we've experienced in our life along our journey? Is there really an answer to that? And you know, as a pastor... I question that myself, and I don't know if I have a, I don't know if I have a, an answer that will uh, fully answer that. All the questions that we have as to why bad things happen to God's people. But as a believer, and I am a believer, I've been a believer now for 30 years. And I, and I believe in the goodness of God, and I believe that God loves me, I believe that God cares about me, and I believe that He's involved in my life. And I believe there is an answer, and it lies within this thing called our free will. So to get to the bottom of our pain, we have to understand free will. And this is probably about as teachy as I'll get, but today I want to give you three thoughts about free will. The first thought is, is uh, that I want to talk about a little bit is the reality of free will. You see, the Bible teaches us that God made us, that God created us, created us, that he knit us together in our mother's womb and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God created us and he created us and he loves us and he made us to be in relationship with him. The Bible teaches that we are an object of his pleasure. And he created us to be in relationship with us. That's why you and I are here. You see, we were created to experience God's love and to, and 
we are also created to experience a personal relationship with him. We were not created to have a religion. We were created to be in a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, with God himself. We were created to be in that type of relationship with him where we talk to him, he talks to us. We walk with him, he walks with us. And because of this, God had no choice. God had no choice to give you, but to give you and I a free will. Now, free will is the freedom that God gave to each of us, every person in this room, whether you're a believer or not, God gave us a free will. He, that gives us the freedom to respond to God's love or to reject his love. We can respond to God and his uh, desire for us to be in relationship with him and have a personal relationship with him, or we can reject it. Now, the Bible says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, this was essential to our relationship with him because love is meaningless unless it is given freely and received freely. It's meaningless unless it's given freely and received freely. For example, that the, the love that I hope Gay has for me, my wife, has for me, is meaningful because she loves me freely. I'm not holding a gun to her and saying, you've got to love me. It might, you know, sometimes I think I might need to do that. But she loves me freely with all my, you know, all of my stuff. And she loves me. I don't force her to love me. Now, if I had to force her to love me, there would be little or no value to her expression of love. Now, the relationship between us would have no meaning. You see, and God could force me to love him. God could just say, you know, because he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present God, he could force me to love him. But if he did, the relationship would be meaningless. The only way our relationship with God can hold any significance, any value, any intimacy in our life is that if we freely choose it and freely receive it. You know, a lot of people when they were young, they were forced to go to church. They were forced to go and go to Sunday school and forced to go do this and forced to go that, do this. And, and, and it, it meant nothing to them. And as adults, many of us walked away from it and said, I no longer have to go. I don't no longer have to do that any longer with my life. You see, our relationship with God can only have significant and intimacy and meaning in our life if we freely choose it and we freely receive God's love for us. So when God made us, he gave us a free will, which means you and I can choose to accept his offer of a love relationship. God created us. He created all of us with a vacuum, with a place in our heart that only God can fill. And he did that on purpose. And his love, he draws us by his love to him, and we can either accept that love or we can reject his love. And the reason we can do that is because he gave, he gave us free will. Now next, we need to understand the consequences of free will. Now the Bible says that the first humans who were Adam and Eve, and we've all probably heard about Adam and Eve, uh, they were the first humans. God created them, created Adam. Adam was doing the thing by himself. He was running the garden and doing everything. And he, and God looked at him, said he needed a helpmate, needed someone to come alongside of him to be his partner, and he created Eve out of the rib of a man. 
And he made, he, uh, Adam and Eve made use of their free will when they choose, when they chose to reject God's offer of a loving, intimate relationship with him by rejecting the authority of God in their lives. God said, have at it, Adam and Eve, do all you want except this one little tree. Don't mess with it. But they made a, they made use of their free will when they chose to go against what God had asked them to do. And they made a conscious, purposeful choice to disobey God and to remove themselves from under his authority. You know, some people say, well, the devil made them do it. No, the devil put a temptation before them, before Eve and Adam and Eve, and she chose, and he chose to purposely and consciously remove themselves from under God's authority. Now, through them, the world departed from God's uh, relational design. And the Bible says, as long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. Where did it get you? A dead end. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. Now, I have a tendency, I, I, could, I could have a tendency, and I have before probably, have a tendency to really be hard on Adam and Eve. You know, say, man, if they wouldn't have messed up, if they would have been obedient, then I wouldn't have to deal with what I have to deal with today, the consequences of free will. But before we get too hard on them, we need, we, you know, we too have used our free will. I have. I've used my free will in many ways, and I have dishonored God, and I have re rebelled in disobedience against God. God gave me the same free will that he gave Adam and Eve, and me, just like, uh, just like Adam and Eve, I abused that. And I went my own way, did my own thing, and I dishonored God, and I rebelled against God, I disobeyed God. In other words, I stuck my nose up at God and said, uh, I'm, I don't want you to have authority in my life. I know what's best for me. Now, because of those actions, we have separated ourselves from God's offer of a personal relationship. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore, we are separated from this loving relationship, a personal relationship with God. You see, every choice we make in life comes with consequences. If they didn't come with consequences, it wouldn't really be choices. The decision to reject God's authority changed God's original design for how the world would operate and how life would be lived. And when it happened, it brought sin and evil into play along with the dreaded consequences of sin and evil. Once Adam and Eve disobeyed God, did their own thing, what happened is sin came into our world, came into our lives, and now we have the consequence of sin and evil in our world. Now this is what theologians call the fall. In other words, we live in a world that has fallen from God's original design. And so we live on a planet that is suffering from the choices that we have made. Choices that began with Adam and Eve and choices that you and I continue to make today. You see, the consequences of our choices are so severe that we face not only moral evil, but we face natural evil as well. You see, therefore the world is sick. The whole world is sick. We have earthquakes, we have floods, we have tornadoes, we have violence, we have mudslides, we have fires, we have birth defects, we have AIDS, we have murder, we have rape, we have sudden infant syndrome, we have abuse, we have bullying. 
And Philip Yancey wrote, the very existence of suffering is a scream to all of us that something is wrong. That the entire human condition is out of whack. So you see, God is not causing sin and suffering. God's not causing sin and suffering. We are. We are. So when we're tempted to ask the question, how could God allow such a thing to happen? Maybe the real question should be, why have we allowed it to happen? Why have we allowed it to happen? Man, that kind of gets me. You see, the simple fact that God let us choose, and we did, we chose to reject God's authority, and the consequences can be seen each time. The consequences of our choices can be seen each time that you or someone else asks, why does bad things happen to good people? Anytime we cry out to God and say, God, why is this happening to me? Yes, she's going to probably be a preacher. She yells and nobody listens. Uh, <laughs> it's the story of my life, you know. <laughs> We choose, to, we, choose to re, we choose to reject God's authority, and the consequences are seen when bad things happen to us. James Dobson, uh, he wrote a, uh, in his book, wrote, uh, we drink too much or gamble compulsively or we allow pornography to control our minds. We drive too fast. We work like there's no tomorrow. We challenge the boss disrespectfully, and then we blow up when he strikes back. We spend money we don't have and can't possibly repay. We fuss and fight at home and create misery. We toy with the dragon of infidelity. Then, he says, when the wages of those sins and foolishness come due, we turn our shocked faces, he said, up to heaven and we cry, Why me, Lord? In truth, we are suffering the natural consequences of a dangerous behavior that is guaranteed, he said, to produce pain. And then author and pastor Jerry White said, only if we are set free from our collective choices and freed from the consequences of our history of decisions would pain and suffering leave the world. And so I have to ask the question, why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't he free us from the consequences of sin and our history of bad decisions? And the reason is because of the overwhelming, overwhelming good of free will. Which brings us to the third thought, and that is the, the good of free will. The good of free will. <clears throat> now, even though we've used free will to reject God's love, which has left us with terrible consequences of sin and evil, God has decided that the free gift, uh, the, the gift of free will is worth it for us. You see, free will means that we are not mindless robots. In other words, God could have created us as mindless robots and he could have been up in heaven with these, you know, like these strings attached to our lives and he could have directed everything that we did and he could control our lives. But he, he decided that, uh, that we, he didn't want us to be mindless robots and we can choose and think for ourselves and we can make decisions on our own. If we turn to God... We can, when we, if we turn to God then, then, and make that decision on our own, at least we're not forced to turn to him. At least we're not forced to love him. And so this makes our relationship with God 
as well as life itself, it makes that relationship intimate. It makes that relationship meaningful. It's not some dried up religion. It is a personal relationship with God. When you and I choose to, to uh, reject, not to reject God's love, but to accept God's love, then we can walk in an intimate relationship with him. He is with us and we are with him. And this makes our relationship with God something that's very special and meaningful in our lives. In Romans, it says, but God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. And so now that we might ask, could, could, the, could God step in and stop the consequences of our choices? Sure he could. He's all-powerful. God is an all-powerful God. He knows everything. God knows everything. He is an all-knowing God, and he is an omnipresent God. He is always here. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and an ever-present God. But if he would step in, he would violate my free will. He would violate your free will. And the violation of our free will, will would end the possibility of a true relationship between us and God in spite of the bad things that happen to us, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the tragedies, in spite of the pain, Freely choosing to accept or reject a relationship with God is of ultimate importance to us, whether we want to buy into that or not, and we want to live our own way. I got to tell you, it is of ultimate importance of that decision that we make. At least the kids are talking back to me. <laughs> Amen, sister or brother. So where is God when I'm hurting? I mean, that's just all, you know, stuff that I want you to know. So, but the question that you wanted to answer today, if you came and you only came because you wanted to find out why good things or bad things happen to good people, where is God when bad things happen? Does God care? According to our, our Christian faith, according to the Christian Bible, the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. He does care. He cares more for us than you and I could ever imagine. We cannot possibly, no eyes seen, no ears heard what God has in store for those who love him. We can't even comprehend how much God loves us. And if, and if you want to know where God is in regards to all the suffering and all the pain that has come from people using their free will to reject him and his authority. If you want to know where God is at today in the midst of your pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of not understanding why this has happened in your life, you might cry out and say, God, where are you? And I want to tell you, God is right there, right there in the middle of it, hurting with you, suffering with, a pe with people through sickness, through our loss, through our tragedies, through the disasters, through babies dying, through the terrorist attacks, through famines, through floods, through tornadoes, through rapes, through murders, through bullying, through whatever, the pain that we are experiencing today in our life. Maybe your husband or your wife walked out on you and you're saying, God, where are are you? And I want you to know God's right there. He's right there in the midst of all that pain. It reminds me of my favorite movie, Forrest Gump. Love that movie. I've been watched it 10 times. And you remember the scene where uh, Jenny is reliving all the abuse of her abusive father and how he abused her. And she goes running down the lane 
toward that old house and she starts picking up rocks and she's throwing them as hard as she can at that house. And see, that's what we do. We throw rocks and we throw things at our pain and our past and, and we expect that to make it better. And finally she collapsed in the dirt. And what did Forrest do? He came up and sat down beside of her in the dirt. And he said to her, Jenny, sometimes there's just not enough rocks in life. You know, I believe that's an illustration of God in our life. When we're going through things that we don't understand, when pain is beyond what we can bear, and we're suffering beyond what I believe God walks right into the midst of that mess, and he sits right down beside of us. And he puts his loving arms of love and care around us. He taps us on the shoulder just to remind us of there. His, through his Holy Spirit, that small, still voice reminds us that he loves us and he cares for us. And no matter what we're going through, he promised he would never leave us nor forsake us, that he would be our helper in time of need. That yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he has promised that he will walk with us. And I believe God's right there in the midst. I can remember some of the most difficult days of my life recently, the most difficult days of my life. And I'm in the park over by the, 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 the uh, whatever, the battlefield. And I'm in the dirt and the grass and I'm crying out to God, God, why is this happening to me? I've served you all my life. I've done everything I can do. And I didn't get one answer from God, but I re remember God tapping me on the shoulder and reminding me that I was his child and that he loved me. And he promised me that I will be with you, buddy, no matter what happens to you. If the whole world turns on you, I'm with you. And I felt his warm embrace. And so I know that God is right there. And when we're, when we're finished with throwing all the rocks we got and all the pain we're facing, God's right there beside of us, reminding us that he's there with us by a gentle touch or a warm word of love to us. You need to know that when Jesus was on the cross, God entered into the realm of our suffering. When he was on the cross, God, God moved in, in, in into the reality to understand our suffering when he was on the cross. He entered into the reality of human suffering, experienced it just as we do in order to demonstrate that even when free will is used to reject him, his love never ended. Remember this. His suffering on the cross was not for our sake, but suffering that would make it possible for us to use our free will to choose again. You see, on that cross, when Jesus came and he moved into our neighborhood and he moved into our lives and he came with flesh on, the Bible says the Lord is close to the broken heart. The, those whose heart is breaking, the good man does not accept all troubles he has has them too, but the Lord helps each and every one. And he understands our suffering. And he, he's close to the brokenhearted because his heart was broken. When he shed his blood on the cross, he was rejected. He was abused. He was beaten. He was spit upon. So he knows about our pain. He knows about our rejection. He knows about the injustice. He knows about hunger. He knows about your childlessness. He knows about cruelty. He knows about abuse. He knows about divorce and the pain and loneliness of separation because he's experienced it all on the cross. And so we get to choose again. 
This time the choice will be, hopefully be the right one. But I got to tell you folks, becoming a believer in Jesus Christ, I've searched in the Bible to validate what I've heard many, many preachers preach, that when you follow God and you're a believer, that good things, that, that it's like nothing bad has come to your life, that like we've been promised that because we're believers, we'll have no pain in life, that there'll be no suffering. And I got to tell you, I cannot find one verse in this whole Bible that says that because I'm a Christian, I will never hurt, never have pain, nobody will ever reject me, that everything will be roses. But you know what I found from cover to cover is God says that when I go through difficult times, he's promised that he would be with me and that he would love me, that he would hold me, that he would never, never leave me. And that's what God promised. It blows me away that somehow we think because we're Christians that nothing bad has happened to us. Jesus himself says it will rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, God promised that he would enter our life and walk with us and give us strength to help us through the suffering. And then one day, You'll be in heaven. We'll all be in heaven where the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or whatever you're facing today. You can just know that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Nothing impure will enter it. The Apostle Paul said, For all creation is waiting patiently and hopefully. Thorns and thistles, sin, death, and decay, the things that the things that overcome overcame the world against its will at God's command will all disappear. And the world around us will share in the glorious freedom from sin. Paul says, For we know that even the things of nature, like animals and plants, suffer in sickness and death as they wait this great event. And even Christians, the Bible says, grown to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us bodies. Listen, that God will give us bodies that will never be sick again and will never die. And will never, ever have to ever ask the question, why does bad things happen to good people? We'll never have to cry out from our pain and agony and say, why God? Ever again. When we get to heaven. The real question, therefore, is this. When you're facing those difficult times in your life, when you're asking why and you're not understanding God, will you allow the reality of bad things happening to you to drive you away from God? Or it will drive you to God? I've watched so many people go through difficult times when they needed God most in their life. They run from God. They run from the church. And the question we all have to ask, answer today is, where will we run, to God or away from God? Will we run to God where he can wrap his loving arms around your neck and walk with you and sit in the dirt with you, sit in the muck and mire of life with you? In the darkest night of our life, with the hope and promise of a better tomorrow? You know, there'll be many times in our spiritual journey when God doesn't make sense. When the awful whys, why God, happens in our lives without an answer. And when you do not know the answer to the why question, 
Here's what I can tell you. From personal experience, you can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God who knows why and who loves you. And you can pray, Father, I don't understand what's happening in my life today, but I do trust you. And I do trust your love for me. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful today for your presence. Lord, I pray that the words that, uh, that I put together, God, in my times with you this week, Lord, in my studies, God, I pray that it will be life-changing words for someone today who's suffering, going through difficult times. Yes, Lord, and even, even if we brought them on ourselves, even if we did stupid things and made bad decisions, God, you promised that even then you would be with us. You promised to be with us, Lord, when bad things happened to us that it seemed we had no part in. But God, we just take courage today to realize that in the midst of our suffering, we want to thank you, Lord. I do for all of us, Lord, those online, those here, Lord. I just want to say to you, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us and not rejecting us and not snobbing or snubbing us, Lord, but being there even when we were yet still sinners. You still love us. God, thank you for the promise in your word today that says nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, no, nothing, nothing can separate me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ today, Lord, that those who are suffering, Lord, and going through those difficult times, Lord, I pray that even right now during this closing time of worship as we worship together, or even right now, Lord, that you would just move in beside, right in the midst of their pain, right in the midst of their questions, right in the midst of their suffering, God. And I pray, oh Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would wrap your loving arms of love and care around each one. Oh God, we need you. And Lord, I pray for my friends that are here today and maybe God, throughout their life, they've rejected God. Maybe it's because something bad happened in their life. They said, never again, or I'll never trust a God like that. God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit has given them new light. And Lord, I pray that there will be those today that, re, that just open their hearts and they invite you into their life to be their Savior today, even online or in the cafe. God, we just pray that right now, if that's you, that you would just right now, you would just acknowledge Jesus Christ and invite him into your life to be your Savior. It's as simple as that. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says we shall be saved. Now that's love. That's love. And some of us just need that kind of love today. So I invite you as we stand together, could we stand? As we worship today, the altar, this, we call this, a, it's a stage, but we're using it for an altar right now. It's got padded things here and you can come and kneel and pray. It's a great place to kind of be sitting down and letting God just kind of come along beside of you. If you just want to come up here, if you want to do it in the chair, I'm not trying to, I just want to offer it to you a place to pray. Also, if you accepted Christ today and you opened your heart to him, at the end of our time, maybe you could come up and Jason will be up here and I'll be with him. We have these, these uh, bands that kind of we want to give you just to 
so we can talk to you about what God did in your life today. Can we, Father, now we open our hearts. Can we all just worship together right now in Jesus' name? If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.